When my father was 19 years old, one of his first paying jobs was uh, as the driver of a van that delivered restaurant supplies. Literally a truck full of plates and glasses and flatware. It was big, it was heavy, it was just at the outer edge of what he could control. One day he was assigned to deliver a load of supplies to a warehouse in downtown Birmingham. And as he approached one intersection, he saw the traffic light change to yellow. So he eased his foot on the brake, which did not respond. Up ahead, he saw the light turn to red, so he pushed down harder. Still no response. In the pedestrian crosswalk ahead, an elderly woman stepped off the sidewalk to cross the street. He pushed the pedal down as hard as he could. Still nothing. The truck hit her head-on as squarely as if it had been carefully choreographed. And then he was in the intersection where he could wrench the vehicle to one side where his change of momentum would finally stop it up against the sidewalk. He turned off the engine and ran to the woman who was, incredibly, still alive. The truck had not been going very fast, to my dad's credit, so it had basically knocked her down and pushed and gone right over her, having a very high wheelbase. He waited with her until an ambulance arrived, all the while telling her how sorry he was for whatever had happened and promising that he would make sure that she was taken care of. And he did. He went with her to the hospital, and he saw that she was properly examined and admitted. She had broken bones and a lot of bruising, but she was going to be okay. A single piece of string, it turned out was the culprit. It had somehow gotten caught up into the inner workings of the brakes and prevented a compressor from closing when he pushed on the pedal. So nobody was really at fault. Did this lady sue the company? No. Because this was the 50s, and people didn't do that so much then. Also, she was won over by this nice boy who apologized so profusely and came to the hospital to tell her again how sorry he was for what had happened. Now here's where I ask if you believe in karma. Because nearly 60 years later, my father was in the family car with my mother, headed to the bank to take out a bunch of money to bring to poor people in Mexico on his next medical missions trip. He was waiting at the intersection. When the light turned green, he eased forward, and a heavily loaded truck not too different from that restaurant supply truck, came barreling through the intersection and plowed straight into the driver's side of that car. This driver had taken his eyes off the road for a minute, I think to his cell phone, and he missed that his light had turned red. The driver, young man, hurried out of the car to see who was hurt, he called 911, did everything he could to make sure my father was going to live long enough for an ambulance to arrive, all the airbags had deployed in mom and dad's car, and this undoubtedly saved both of their lives. Plug for airbags there. Mom got out with scrapes and bruises, but dad's injuries were more serious. And my mother, being who she is, did everything she could for my father, but then turned her attention to this young man who was by now on the side of the road, trembling and weeping and saying over and over, I'm sorry, I am so sorry. 
That accident left my dad partially paralyzed, and despite two years of surgeries and intense therapy, it led to a blood clot that finally killed him. Many people had asked my mom about suing this driver, and when dad died, they added uh, a new question, are you thinking about pressing charges of manslaughter? My mother's answer had never changed. No, she said, and she still says, that young man has suffered enough. I think these are both stories about sincere apologies and what can happen in the world as a result. But let me get a show of hands here. How many of us in this room were taught that you should never apologize or say that you're sorry after an automobile accident? I was. Because in the eyes of the law, it can make you automatically liable for the damages whether the accident was your fault or not. And that may date us a bit because the law has changed in a lot of places in America. About 20 years ago, new legislation was passed that allows and, in fact, encourages people to apologize for a car accident. Uh, at last count, 36 states have what they now call the I'm sorry rule. In those 36 states, you can apologize for your involvement in an accident without this automatically being taken as an admission that the accident was your fault. Before you ask, North Carolina is not one of those 36 states. <laughs> and in those 36 states, here's what now sometimes happens. The victim, the injured party, at home in the wheelchair to which he's confined now, let's say. He gets a call from the lawyer representing the party at fault. May I come to your house and see you? I'm bringing an apology from the people who hit you with their car. The lawyer comes to the house and says, my clients aren't here because they can't look you in the eye. That's the depth of their sorrow. They have become physical wrecks. They haven't slept in two weeks because they can't stop thinking about this accident that has put you in that wheelchair. They admit that this was their fault, and they are so, so sorry about this, and they regret it so deeply. Their every thought is about what has happened to you. And what they want to do, now get this, they want to sell their house, move into a smaller place, maybe even with some relatives, and to give whatever they get from the proceeds of their house to you to help you meet all these new medical expenses they know that you're going to have. It'll probably be in the range of $85,000. And they know that's not much, but it's what they want to do. And the victim, deeply moved, wipes tears from his eyes, leans forward in his wheelchair, and signs the agreement. And the lawyer comes back to his client and says, he was going to sue you for $5 million. I talked him down to $85,000 party. Has this not always been the problem with apologies, with people telling you they're sorry? Because, and let's be honest, isn't it the problem with you telling other people that you're sorry? Quite simply, we don't know when somebody else is really sorry and when they're not. We may not know when we're really sorry. And an even deeper question, I think, is does it matter if somebody is really sorry or does it just matter that they make up for whatever they did? 
I would imagine that most of us have had the experience as children, I'm going to guess, of being hauled somewhere by our parents and being made to apologize for something we said or did. Well, I was. It's just me and Louise. We're the only ones, I think. <laughs> and it was usually truth to be told, in my case, something that I thought was brilliant or hilarious that I said or did, but that it embarrassed my mother. So what I was really saying when I said, I'm sorry, was I thoroughly enjoyed what I said or did, but I'm here to tell you that my mother didn't like it. <laughs> and I think everybody knew that. I, in thinking about my talk for today, I was, I was reminded of the comedian Steve Martin, one of my heroes, who's uh, one of his routines in the 70s included a line that became his catchphrase, right? Excuse me! <laughs> Which is so clearly sarcastic in its sublimated frustration that it means everything but I'm sorry, right? It, it, that's the sound of someone who is not remotely sorry for what they did, but infuriated that somebody else thinks they ought to be. And as long as I'm talking about comedians, I should mention... Kathy Griffin, whose routines and onstage persona I've never much cared for. She got a lot of attention last year by sharing a photo of herself posing with a Donald Trump mask. Maybe you saw this picture. A mask she had doused with ketchup, so the images of her apparently triumphantly holding Trump's severed head. And I don't think anybody thought for one second that she'd actually decapitated anybody. It's not that convincing an illusion. But pretty much everybody, as near as I could tell, was appalled no matter what their feelings were about Trump or about her. Pretty much everybody agreed, I thought, this was just going too far and it's not funny. But she got fired from some of her best gigs and ended up on the TSA's no-fly list. And then, look for this on YouTube, she made tearful, public, and televised appearances apologizing, begging forgiveness, and she hasn't been forgiven. Nobody has said, well, that's okay, Kathy as long as you're sorry. So, she's now done a pirouette. Uh, this is what she wrote recently. Every day that passes, more people realize that not only was my photo literally harmless, but it was completely legal. And she's back on the road doing a comedy tour called, wait for it, the Laugh Your Head Off Tour. Her apologies, I thought, looked very convincing. She's not remotely sorry. All of this has me wondering, as part of my continual evolution, my own spiritual development, whether any of us ever says, I'm sorry, for any reason other than to deflect punishment. I learned recently that in the Muslim faith, there are, the Quran says there are four steps to receiving forgiveness from Allah. You have to admit that what you did was wrong. You have to regret it. You have to apologize to the people you've hurt and commit to never do it again. Now, it seems to me that all those steps are difficult, sometimes more so than others, but one of them is the sticking point. It sounds easy, right? Admit, regret, apologize, commit. Back up to number two there for a second. You have to regret it. And I don't think you have to be Muslim. I don't think you have to believe in a God at all to understand that. You have to regret it. One of my Facebook friends related an incident recently from many years ago. She was pregnant with her first child. 
living in a big city, going about her business downtown, and started to feel queasy. So instead of continuing to walk, she got on the bus, only to find all the seats taken, which meant that she'd have to stand on the bus, pitching and swaying, unless she could find a seat. Now, right across from the door, there's a middle-aged man sitting, occupying at least one seat, and he made eye contact with her, so she spoke to him. She said, please, I'm six months pregnant, I feel like I'm dying, and I would love to just sit down for a few minutes. And he said, as she remembers it, he didn't hesitate at all, as if he's been rehearsing this speech to use on these occasions. He said, if women want to be the equals of men, you'll have to learn to stand up the way we do. And then she threw up on him. <laughs> now that's all I know of the story. And I have many questions. In the melee that undoubtedly followed, did anyone apologize? Was anybody sorry? I mean, they may have been sorry about the results or the aftermath. That's not the same thing. I want to know, did either of them regret the choices they had made in the first place? I'm serious about all of this. Does anybody ever really say I'm sorry and mean that they regret what they did for the pure and simple reason that they wish to always do the right thing? The, I think this is related. The president of Mexico, you may have heard, has written recently to the king of Spain, they still have a king, and to the pope, stating that it is high time that Spain acknowledged and apologized for the fact that the indigenous peoples of Mexico were the victims of massacres in the 15th and 16th century. And the Spanish conquistadors gained power in Mexico through torture and rape, and all the while flying the flag of the Christian God. The time has come to reconcile, he says, but first they should ask our forgiveness. So what do you think? Will the current king of Spain and the pope apologize to indigenous peoples of Mexico for things that happened five and six hundred years ago? Do you think they should? What will happen if they do? And it touches us a little closer to home because we have had this same question here. And it's never been satisfactorily answered. While the conquistadors were running roughshod over the Maya and the Aztecs, my ancestors up here on this end of the continent were importing thousands and thousands of captive Africans and pressing them into slavery. And the descendants of those slaves have said repeatedly, can you at least say you're sorry? And we don't as a nation because we are, this is my theory, this is what I believe, we're afraid of what that will imply. We're afraid of where that might lead. We're afraid of what that might cost. It's better, we figure, it's stronger to not apologize. Because that's what strong people do. To apologize is, by definition, to make yourself vulnerable, to be open to attack. I've always been a big comic books fan. And I'm thoroughly enjoying this time in history where technology is caught up with imagination so that now we can have movies where you can see characters uh, doing things that previously could only happen in a drawing on paper. So I follow the news coming out of that world and uh, was thus a witness, thanks to Twitter, to a, uh, the outrage expressed by many fans of the uh, 
the ongoing Marvel Avengers movie series, when the poster for the next film was released. And one of the announced stars was not given billing on the poster. Her name wasn't on the poster at all, even though the image of her character is on the poster. And she's Denai Guerrero. She plays uh, General Okoye in the billion-dollar earning Marvel film Black Panther. She is also, incidentally, a Tony-nominated playwright and one of the stars of The Walking Dead. Denai Guerrero is a big deal. So a lot of people said, hey, you didn't happen to leave her name off just because she's the only black woman on this poster, did you? Please tell us that's not the reason. And Marvel, well, their com the company that owns them is Disney. Disney could have responded in a number of different ways to this. When you just printed 100,000 posters and sent them to every theater in America at God knows what cost, you may be disinclined to say, oops, you're right, send those back and we'll put them in the shredder. They could have said, well, General Okoye is not that big a character in this movie, and even though she is depicted in the art on the poster, the actor's contract didn't stipulate that her name would be on the poster, which is probably actually what happened. That's probably the truth. But what they did was they recalled all the posters, immediately commissioned new ones with Denira Guerrero's name up there with everybody else's. And here's my point. They apologized. They apologized to her. They apologized to her fans. They apologized to everybody that they could reach through social media. And they said they have no idea how such a mistake could have been made, but it was never their intention to leave the one black woman off the poster. <laughs> and I respect them for that. I don't see that as the weak choice. I see that as the strong one. I see that as the fair one. I have a friend who works for marketing at Disney, and he says that this was a big discussion at Disney because there are people who are saying, big mistake, big mistake. Marvel and Disney have stepped in it now, many people at uh, those institutions say, because the next time fans object to something on a poster or whatever, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, okay, you 30 or 40 people are right, we're going to make this change at the cost of a million dollars to the studio. We are so sorry. And you're going to do it the time after that? And the time after that? How long are you going to keep apologizing? Don't you know how weak it makes us when you apologize? I have some Canadian friends who tell me that Justin Trudeau has the reputation of being the prime minister who apologizes. Have you heard this? That something unique about his character is that he seems to take everything about Canada as part of his personal responsibility. That's his idea of what being the prime minister is. And so he spends a lot of time saying, I'm sorry for things that have happened today, yesterday, 120 years ago. And some Canadians are uncomfortable about that because they feel it makes their leader, their leader look weak. Um, I heard one Canadian in a radio interview say that she's starting to look across their southern border and thinking, you know, a little bit of Trump style might be welcome for a change. And I hope you're not waiting for me to disclose some brilliant answers to all this because I don't have. Uh, all I can do is tell stories and raise questions. That's what I always say. But over the years, I have noted, and I bet you have too, again and again, that someone who refuses to apologize for an act or behavior often does so because they believe that what they've done isn't wrong. 
And I believe that when someone can totally excuse their own bad behavior, justified in their own mind, they have the potential to be dangerous. Without the ability to discern whether our actions harm others or are destructive to the greater good, there's no telling what we're capable of. I'll apologize right now and hope that you'll forgive me for continuing to go on about Marvel superheroes. <laughs> but I want to say something about Iron Man. That, that character was created way back in 1963 by the late great Stan Lee, who said later that he had set himself the challenge of creating a superhero whose secret identity was a jerk. He thought that would be an interesting challenge to himself as a writer. He wanted to see if he could keep audiences interested in a long story in which an unlikable person could put on a superhero suit and somehow become a good guy, become a real hero. And when they started making the Iron Man movies in 2008, those writers took that mandate seriously and they depicted Tony Stark as a vain, self-centered egotist, somebody who never apologizes because in his mind he's never done anything wrong. Now, over the decade of the Iron Man and Avengers movies, we've seen that character grow and evolve, usually because these changes have been forced on him. The trailers for this next film, which promises to end the franchise, I don't believe that for a second. The trailers for this next film in which he will appear begin with him in a hopeless situation, waiting for his own certain death to come and recording a message kind of a note in a bottle to his fiancée, saying basically that he's sorry. He's sorry he's going to die now instead of their having the long life together that he'd promised her. So, have they ruined this character? Does it make Tony Stark now less of a man, less of a superhero, if he apologizes to the woman he loves for the bad news he knows she's going to get? We shall see. As much as I've looked to comic book characters as role models over the years, a greater fictional influence in my life has been the hero of the British uh, TV series, Doctor Who. Um, the Doctor is another uh, crusader for justice, a superhero of sorts who always manages to save the day in the nick of time. In the last 15 years of this franchise, the character has been written as more empathetic, more deeply touched by the suffering of others. Uh, the Doctor's become more human, more vulnerable. In fact, um, the doctor's turned into a character for whom the words, I'm sorry, well, it became basically one of the doctor's catchphrases. It's always stated the same way. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And it comes up repeatedly because in the adventures the doctor undertakes, people get hurt. People get killed. Terrible things happen before the doctor can ultimately prevail. And when other people suffer, the doctor feels it. That empathy is what moves the doctor to say so often, I'm sorry, I am so sorry. And I don't think that makes the doctor less of a hero. Far from it. Talking of my heroes, I give thanks every day for Karen for a vast number of reasons. But one of the most profound is that she recognizes the courage an apology requires and never ever turns that into some selfish advantage. I might never have noticed the absence of that behavior 
had I not previously been in a long-term relationship in which admitting I was wrong about something was an invitation to an attack. Lowering my shield only meant I was about to get it in the neck. Well, you should be sorry. And here's another thing. <laughs> Do you know anybody like this? I don't think that makes them stronger. Anybody can take advantage of the vulnerable. We have names for people who take advantage of the vulnerable. We have laws because there are people who take advantage of the vulnerable. And I don't want to speak for Karen, but I believe that apology requires not cowardice but courage. And graciously accepting somebody else's apology requires courage as well. Karen continually demonstrates courage in both of those realms, and I find that inspiring. I, I believe that when she and I acknowledge our shortcomings, we become better people and better partners for each other. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe life is supposed to be unending conflict, and the most important thing in life is to continually assert your authority, even if it means adopting the pose of someone who never makes a mistake or never makes a wrong choice or a bad decision. Maybe human relations are a constant battle that we either win or lose. But I don't think so. I could be wrong. But I don't think so. I do believe it would be wrong to end this talk without actually apologizing for something. <laughs> Since I called it, I'm sorry. I certainly have enough things to make amends for in my life. And because... Our church is committed to a season of environmental awareness. One of my regrets comes easily to mind. I'm looking around the room and thinking, who are the people here who are younger than I am? Reagan's left, isn't she? I'm thinking about the people to whom I will leave the world when I'm gone. And, you know, anything's possible. But my generation, I was born at the tail end of what we call the baby boom, right? The baby boomers had the best opportunity in history to head off the environmental nightmares that the younger people are, I believe, going to face later in their lives. And we just didn't do it. And I can't apologize for everybody in my age group, but I can speak for myself. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Uh, I could have done more. I did a lot. But I know I could have done more. And I know my apology doesn't help one tiny bit. But I'm sorry. Who's the person to whom you need to say, I'm sorry? I was wrong and I regret it. And what's stopping you from saying it?